Hello and welcome to the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast Weekly News Review, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. I'm Managing Editor Joe Abraham, and here are some of this week's top stories. Approximately 15,000 fentanyl pills were seized in a major drug arrest in New York City last week. Deputy Commissioner of the Division of Health and Human Services, Wendy Brown, who co-chairs the Sullivan County Drug Task Force with District Attorney Megan Galligan, referenced the arrest in a report to legislators at last Thursday's Public Safety and Law Enforcement Committee meeting. According to the Drug Enforcement Administration, or DEA, the fentanyl pills in various colors were destined for distribution throughout New York City and had been concealed in a Lego box to deter law enforcement attention. The fentanyl pills were also imprinted with an M and 30 to resemble 30M or oxycodone hydrochloride 30 milligram pills, the DEA said. This significant seizure, the largest to date in New York City, signals more widespread distribution of these dangerous colorful pills, said the DEA in a press release. They continued by saying the case highlights Mexican cartels' most recent tactics to attract the public while deceiving them about the lethal drugs. The Sinaloa cartel and Jalisco New Generation cartel are mass-producing fentanyl pills in rainbow colors to not only brand their products, but use colors and dyes to mimic candy and or legitimate prescription drugs. The DEA said these colorful fentanyl pills that are being called rainbow fentanyl appear to be a new method used to sell highly addictive and potentially deadly fentanyl made to look like candy to children and young people. Brown said the drug task force will be putting local schools on alert and creating some public service announcements to make sure people are aware of rainbow fentanyl. This is poison, said Brown. They're marketing poison at this point. In another Sullivan County drug task force story, Use of naloxone, or Narcan, is a controversial topic for some who argue if you give it to people, they will continue to use drugs and it won't help them wean off addictive substances. There is also fatigue among first responders who repeatedly use Narcan in individuals. But as Sullivan County Health and Human Services Commissioner John Little explains, you can't get somebody into treatment who dies. That belief, he says, is shared by the Sullivan County Drug Task Force and Columbia University, who are leading a large-scale multi-county campaign to increase awareness of naloxone in the hardest-hit places in New York State, including Sullivan County. The county will be working with Columbia until late 2023. Columbia University has a goal of decreasing the number of opioid overdose deaths in the county they're working with by 40% over the life of the ongoing Healing Community Study. More info on the initiative can be found on www.healingcommunitystudy.org slash communities slash nysullivan.html. Little explained that Columbia is looking at treatment options, safer prescriber options, and with Narcan specifically, the focus is on saving lives. So in a crisis moment, someone who overdoses has a chance to do more to help themselves over time. Narcan is extremely effective at saving lives, said Little. When it is given to someone who overdoses, it literally brings them back to life in very short order and has very limited side effects. So we feel it's important to have this out there because it just gives us that many more chances to help somebody get off drugs and rebuild their life. The partnership between Columbia and the county started back in July, says Little, and the Drug Task Force and advisors from Columbia are currently looking at how to best spend the funds, which they term, quote, community impact dollars. Little said they're looking at education and making Narcan more accessible. This includes innovations like Narcan vending machines, as well as making sure first responders have enough and it's placed in locations where there are folks that are at high risk. They're also going to use some of the funding on training so people know what Narcan is and how to use it in the event they're in a situation where they might need to save a life. 
Columbia is also providing funds for staffing that assist the county with reviewing and collecting data so that they can make better decisions on where to more effectively place Narcan in the future for other strategies that will develop additional treatment options and to advocate to prescribers to be, quote, much more careful with distributing opioids. While Little says the Columbia Partnership is bringing a couple hundred thousand dollars to the table, it is just one piece of the Sullivan County Drug Task Force broader effort. There is a Narcan component to all the different things that we do, Little said. For example, if someone is in treatment, we want to make sure they have access to Narcan if they have a relapse. So the treatment pillar looks at that kind of thing. When we talk about the prevention pillar, we're doing education in schools so that kids don't get mixed up in this stuff to begin with, adding that naloxone boxes have also been distributed to local schools. Making sure folks have access to Narcan when they get out of jail and they've gone through some treatment there is also important, Little continued. There's all sorts of different initiatives where Narcan is a safety valve on top of all the other things that we're doing. So if all else fails, we can save a life in the instant and then kind of hopefully reset and figure out what the next step is for a particular person after they've had an overdose. Following their regular monthly meeting in early October, the Forestburg Town Board is preparing for numerous public hearings, including an amendment to the animal shelter holding local law and a 2% tax cap override. The local law, dubbed number three of 2022, will amend the current law of the town's number of mandatory holding days for recovered lost dogs from 10 days to five. Forestburg Dog Control Officer and Town Councilman Steve Badofsky reported to the board that lowering the number of days from 10 to 5 will match the state's current law requirements as well as increase the speed of rehoming the dogs at the shelter. What this does is opens up space for dogs to be adopted so another one can come in, said Badofsky. It gets a dog adopted sooner than the 10 days because now after 5 days, they're up to the public to be adopted. Badofsky said he believed the original purpose of requiring the 10 days was to give people who were visiting the town and nearby areas from further away ample time to be alerted, travel, and recover their dog in conjunction with a formerly held contract with a shelter whose services are no longer utilized by the town. Now, the town utilizes the facilities at Catskill Animal Rescue in Ferndale. Under contract with this shelter, Badofsky said he would not allow the dog to go off hold once he knows there is an owner. Even if you're three weeks out, you're going to be able to get your dog back. You'll pay the shelter the fee for room and board and vet care, but you're not going to have your dog euthanized or given away to somebody else because you couldn't come back, Badofsky said. So now the 10 days doesn't serve any real purpose. It only holds them back. Badofsky said there is only one euthanization since the contract was formed three years ago, which was ultimately due to the animal's irrecoverable health conditions. The public hearing regarding local law number 3 of 2022 is set for November 3rd at 6.05 p.m. Also within the town of Forestburg, Supervisor Dan Hoag stated that although he is not expecting the town to exceed the 2% increase limit put in place by the state, the board is seeking to override the tax cap as, quote, a safety net. The public hearing on the proposal will be held on October 24th at 6 p.m. The town is also expected to hold a public hearing regarding the 2022 town budget on November 3rd at 6 p.m. Councilwoman Karen Ellswick told the Forestburg Town Board that the grant application for the Dormitory Authority of the State of New York, or DASNY, is, quote, moving along, saying that the next step is to set, acquire a request for a proposal. The grant is expected to give the town roughly $125,000 and is intended to outfit Town Hall with emergency generators and a 500-gallon propane tank. If the town acquires the grant, it is estimated that there will be roughly $30,000 remaining after the necessities have been purchased and installed. Oswick said the town must state their intentions on what they propose to do with the money before they can acquire the grant. 
The town board invited those in attendance at the meeting to share their ideas for ways that money might be best be utilized. Some mentioned upgrading the external railings, repairing the historic log cabin, further, quote, emergency situation add-ons to the town hall, a pickleball court, and recreation upgrades, installation of infrastructure and fiber optic cables, roads, pavement repairs, and more. No official decision has been made by the Forestburg Town Board at this time regarding this development. That does it for this episode of the Sullivan County Democrat Podcast, brought to you by the Kitchen Table Cafe in Calicoon, New York. Earlier this week, the Democrat teamed up with Bold Gold Media to host two debates, one for the New York 51st Senate District and one for the New York 100th Assembly District. Full audio of that debate featuring four candidates by listening to the Radio Bold News podcast. Next week, we'll have a special podcast for listeners and staff writer Derek Kirk's breakdown of both debates. Until then, we hope everyone has a wonderful weekend and we'll catch up with you next week.